As George Carlin rightfully once said, it's a big club and you ain't in it. Bilderberg gets back into its unelected bullcrap. Companies are fighting back against forced vaccines in unique ways. A lot of companies are starting to say, not from my business. And Greta's fraud. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. All that and more coming up. Welcome to the Jay Sheldon Show. Happy Friday. Friday. It's Friday. Uh, I'm not copying you, Joe. Just, just to let you know. Okay. Uh, yeah, it is Friday. We made it through another week. I know for those of you in the U.S., your day is just starting about 7 o'clock on the West Coast, 10 o'clock on the East Coast, and off we go. It is time to start off the show the way we always do with a big, quick Miko update. Miko is our little baby Shiba Inu. Actually, she's not so much a baby anymore. She's three years old, three and a half. So she would be what, about like... Uh, I don't know, 21, 22, 23, somewhere around there. So she's a she's a young adult, and uh, she's doing well. This was earlier today. Look, I didn't want to have to share Miko peeing, okay? But uh, anyway, this was her earlier today when we took her for a walk. I was videoing her while she was walking, and uh, she, she happened to do a little bit of her business. Uh, so... <laughs> There you go. You get to see the good and the bad on this show. And that's our baby Miko taking off. That's like a nine meter leash. It's long. She's got quite a run. In fact, we had these uh, shrews here that she loves chasing. Shiba Inus were bred. In fact, Shiba Inu in Japanese means bush dog. They were bred for hunting small animals, squirrels, rabbits, things like that. So we have these shrews here. They look like scrats from Ice Age. I call them scrats. She actually knows the word scrat. When I say, Miko, where's the scrat? She's like, huh? What? Where? Yeah, she goes crazy. So anyway, <laughs> um, She's chasing them, and sometimes she chases them on the leash, which means she's got nine meters to go before I hold on tight and she comes to an abrupt stop. I kind of wonder if that's probably not maybe all that good for her. Uh, but I can't get any more than... I actually have about a 30-meter leash. Yeah, it's huge. It doesn't retractable, but it's it's a big coil. It's just that it's... It's very hard to manage. Anyway, our Miko update brought to you by the good folks at BarkBox.com. Our special link is in the show notes. It's bar easy to remember. BarkBox.com slash Miko, M-I-K-O, her name. And if you use that when you sign up for a multi-month subscription, you will get a free month. You can sign up for one month if you want, or six months, or 12 months, and every month, delivered to your door, a theme box of goodies for your dog. They will love them, we promise. And you get two toys, two bags of dog treats, all natural ingredients, by the way, none of this chemical crap, and a dog chew, every month, delivered right to your door. Check it out. They've got some cool themes, some cool specials, and our special, if you use BarkBox.com slash Miko, M-I-K-O. You'll get a free month when you sign up for a multi-month subscription. All right, let's just get right to it, shall we? Where are we? Oh, okay, I can get rid of that. 
I can get rid of that. As I just have to do a little house cleaning here. Stick with me, folks. It's just me, okay? <laughs> you and me against the world. And if I sing any more of that, I'll get a copyright strike. Okay, they've gotten together again. It's happening right now. It began yesterday. The unelected morons who get together to determine our fate in some cases. The secretive, super-secret boys' club, well, and a few girls, but mostly boys' club, and probably some that don't know or haven't figured it out yet. The Bilderberg Gathering of Global Elites has kicked off. 69th meeting of the secretive conclave of global power brokers kicked off in Lisbon, Portugal, on the agenda are these issues, transnational threats, artificial intelligence, and America's leadership in world affairs. Mmm. This year's meeting, these began back in 1954, by the way, continues to blur the lines between open diplomacy and clandestine elitism. To me, it's just pure clandestine elitism. Political leaders brush shoulders with the industry bigwigs, uh, media barons. I wonder if Elon is going to be at this event. It's the kind of thing I think he might say, yeah, not for me. Anyway, um, it's uh, this is a quote. It's a really high-octane list leaning heavily into the Russian-Ukraine conflict and the future of NATO. Journalist Charlie Skelton, who is in Lisbon to cover this year's event, told the Epic Times, As usual, details of what they talk about are highly obscured. Rarely anybody knows about it. The Chatham House Rule, which is a protocol that gives participants the discretion to use the information gleaned from the talks, but forbids the identification of speakers or participants ensuring anonymity. That ain't good, but they don't care. They don't have to care. They have more money than God. They have more money and power and influence than you or I will ever have. They weren't elected, most of them. We didn't vote this, and yet this is influencing our lives. Thanks to the private nature of the meeting, participants take part as individuals rather than in any official capacity. They're not bound by conventions in their office or pre-agreed positions. Major topics slated for talking, uh, artificial intelligence, the banking system, energy transition, go with nuclear, you morons, industrial policy and trade. Other high priority issues will be geopolitical landscapes of Europe, China, India, Russia, and Ukraine, along with NATO and American global leadership. Those are all going to be talked about. The topic of U.S. leadership, which last appeared to the Bilderberg agenda back in 2018, uh, of course, is happening right as China and Russian, uh, Russia have ramped up their uh, reduced reliance on the U.S. dollar. In fact, I saw something that uh, coming up later this year, there are a whole load of countries that are going to get together and vote on whether or not to continue to be backed by the USD. Ouch, that's going to hurt. 
Uh, wow. There's a whole list here. If you want to check it out, the links in our show notes of all the actual items they're going to be talking about. And, uh, NATO Secretary General Jens Stoltenberg is going to be there. The dynamics of global security cooperation in sharp focus as the war in Ukraine continues, of course, with no end in sight as long as these people who are in the White House now. And uh, not to mention the prime minister over in the UK and a whole bunch of other moron leaders who want nothing more than this war to not only perhaps continue but get worse. And that's pretty obvious by the way they're acting about it and the things that they're doing about it, which is virtually nothing. So yeah, it's going on. It's happening over there. Expect to see all kinds of interesting stories come out of that. I'm sure we'll be talking about something or else to do with it before long. All right. Got an article here, which is fascinating. It's from uh, investors.com. Rather interesting website to be talking about this, but they do. And uh, hang on just a second while we get back to this uh, article here. Uh, Here we go. The stunning statistical fraud behind the global warming scare. You know I have been calling it the climate change scam from the very beginning. It's all bullcrap. The Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, NOAA, which may have a rather boring name, but they've got a very important job. They measure U.S. temperatures. Unfortunately, it seems to be a captive of the whole global warming religion. And it is a religion. Its data, basically, this article says, is full of crap. It's fraudulent. Now, what do you mean by fraudulent? How about this? NOAA has made repeated adjustments to its data for the presumed scientific reason of making the data sets more accurate. Nothing wrong with that. But, big but, all their changes point to one thing and one thing only. Lowering previously measured temperatures to show cooler weather in the past, which, of course, makes current record temperatures look even higher. If, you know, you can fudge it by making the temperatures in the last few years higher, but that becomes obvious. But what a brilliant way to not be so obvious. You just make the previous years cooler. Hmm. The data illusion of ever-rising temperatures matches the increase in CO2, which is complete crap. The Earth's atmosphere since the 1800s, mid-1800s, global warming advocates say, is a cause-and-effect relationship. The more CO2, the more warming. But the actual measured temperature, the records of measured temperature show something completely different. There have been hot years and hot decades ever since the turn of the last century, and colder years and colder decades. I told you, if you just look at a little micro slice of this information, this data these idiots put out there to scream and cry and make you all panicked and fearful about, ooh, climate change, we're all going to die. 
if you take that little slice and you open the chart up to hundreds, thousands, even millions of years, it's not true. It's not accurate. It is complete bullshit. But they are going to keep on doing it. And some people, hopefully not you, because I know my audience is much smarter than this, are not buying it. You got more, too. I got more. Of course I got more. I always bring the receipts. And this one, you know, this little psychopath has done nothing but cause problems for many years now. Greta Thunberg panicked an entire generation, actually, about this whole climate change hoax. Well, now she says there was no scientific study. It was all a metaphor. Yeah, not kidding. Take a listen. This, this is, is her being uh, interviewed. Yes, when you're talking about climate change, you have said, quote, I want you to panic. I want you to feel the fear I feel every day. Uh, is there what what particular study or rep scientific report did you read that made that made you come to this conclusion? Uh, thank you for your question. First of all, let me just clear that those are metaphors. Um, in speeches, you often use metaphors. Of course, I don't mean literally that I want people to panic. Uh, so, so there was no scientific study that that made me come to that conclusion. There you go. She admits that she says it, but that it's a metaphor. Go away. Just piss off, okay? Go in the corner, sit in the chair. Nobody cares about what you have to say anymore. Nobody's listening. Go away. Should have said that to her years ago. And now she's admitting, oh, there's no scientific data about, you know, it's just a metaphor. Yeah. Okay, sure. I'm telling you. All right, we got lots more coming up today. And uh, right now we're going to tell you about one of our favorite folks. And that's one of our great sponsors. Just give me a second here to tell you about Skillshare. Oh, man, I'm telling you. If you're tired of scrolling through social media, you feel like you're not learning anything new. It's getting boring. You're, you're there on your phone. You're like, oh, God, I've seen all this before. You want to expand your skill set. It helps. It increases your creativity. It increases your marketability, which increases your payability. I just made that word up. Anyway, Skillshare is exactly what you need. Look no further. Skillshare is an online learning community. Thousands and thousands of classes on topics like photography, graphic design, business, technology, computer programming, how to use computer uh, AIs. Uh, all kinds of great stuff, learning at your own pace, your own schedule, and from anywhere in the world. You're in a coffee shop. You can learn on your phone online. Their expert instructions are passionate about their craft. They are committed to sharing their knowledge with you, and they will provide engaging, high-quality video lessons that will inspire, that will challenge you to reach new heights in your creative endeavors. You join the millions who've already transformed their lives and their careers with Skillshare, an affordable subscription plan. You can access unlimited learning opportunities 
without breaking the bank. And there is a link down there in our show notes tonight. You just expand that out, take a look for Skillshare. You use our special link from the Jay Sheldon Show and you will get a free month. You can check it out. Absolutely no obligation, absolutely free for a month from Skillshare and start your free trial today. Unlock your potential Skillshare. Thank you, Skillshare, for helping to sponsor the show here. All right. Uh, what other silliness do we have for you tonight? Oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, hang on, because this moronic web page wants to verify that I'm human. Mm, yeah, I'm pretty human. All right. Uh, the Biden administration. You know, when I start with those two words, the next thing I say is going to be something really stupid. And guess what? You're right. It is. They want to ban chocolate milk. Mm. Puberty blockers. That's okay, folks. Knock yourselves out. Get all you want. But chocolate milk? Mm, nah, sorry. Can't do that. Chocolate milk, too dangerous for kids. <laughs> this is from townhall.com. Ah, man, look at that. Remember those box, those little cartons of chocolate? You know what? I can close my eyes and taste that chocolate milk. That's how good it was with vitamin A and D. As if President Joe Biden, bag of bones, moron, and his admin haven't done enough already to make life more difficult for you and I, more hardship for every other American out there. His band of merry muck-ups are now setting their sights on school lunches and toying around with a ban on chocolate milk. Oh, and also strawberry milk and other flavor alternatives over concerns about added sugar. Yes, the same administration that calls it outrageous and immoral to prevent children from taking life-altering hormones to prevent puberty for the purposes of transitioning is worried about the milk you drink that might have an ill effect on your health. Does this make any You know what? Of course it doesn't make any sense. You know that. I know that. But there are still people who buy this crap, who latch on to this bullshit and just run with it. The devastating news for American students came courtesy of a scoop at the Wall Street Journal this week on what the U.S. Department of Agriculture is weighing as it works on revamping the federal standards for providing school meals. Here is from the USDA. The issue has divided parents, child nutrition specialists, school meal officials, and others. Supporters of restricting flavored milk says it has added sugars that contribute to childhood obesity and established preferences for overly sweet drinks. Opponents say, including the dairy industry, many school districts that removing it will simply lead to children drinking less milk. Mm. We want to take a product that most kids like and that has nine essential nutrients in it and say, you can't drink this. You have to drink plain. Executive director of Urban School Food Alliance represents 18 of the largest school districts in the country. She says, what are we trying to prove? 
Flavored milk is a challenging issue to figure out exactly the best best path forward. Um, The USDA's Food Nutrition Service, Cindy Long, said, explaining why the agency is weighing two options. We really do want to encourage children to consume milk, but we need to recognize the need to reduce added sugar consumption. Banning it is basically what they're talking about. Banning it. Hmm. Because... You know, the USA just went ahead and chickened out, made a decision on chocolate milk already. They are still hemming and hawing, trying to decide whether kids should have a choice of chocolate milk or plain milk. Uh, And they are seriously considering just getting rid of it. You don't have a choice anymore. You want to drink something? Drink plain milk. In which case, and I'm sure they're right, a lot of kids are going to go... Mm, nah. And you know what they're probably going to do? They're probably going to start, if they're allowed, they're probably going to start bringing stuff like Coke from home, which has probably a hundred times the amount of sugars in it that you get from a flavored milk. But, you know, you don't own your kids anyway. They do. Yeah. Do I have to remind you of that? Where is that? Do we have it? No, we don't have it. Okay, come back to me. All right, I thought we did. Uh, we did. We covered the story anyway about how you don't own your kids. You don't have any rights to your kids. We just did one last night about the uh, the whole idea of once a kid gets at school, they're no longer yours, and you don't have a say. Pfft, yeah, good luck with that. From the Liberty Daily, yet more of this food farce. I love this guy. I hope it says in this article where his come. Oh, yeah. Whole Cows. Jason Nelson, CEO of Whole Cows. A big hat tip to you, my friend. The company CEO, Jason Nelson, says, quote, I'll shut down the company before we ship a single bag with mRNA injected meat. Yes, we love this guy. If you missed it, quietly but very quickly, Big Pharma and various state governments are working to inject beef dairy cattle with the mRNA vaccines, which means if they have it and you eat the meat, you have it. This has been happening with pork since 2018, by the way. This is nothing new. I bet you didn't even know that. Beef Next on the agenda, I want to dig into this pork crap because I didn't know it either. Since 2018, 1922, five years ago, they started injecting some sort of crap they hope will pass on to humans in pork. And now they're looking at beef. Whole cows, their CEO, Jason Nelson, has been watching the development very closely. And he is a Texas company, of course. Specializes in shelf-stable freeze-dried meat for long-term storage. Vowed never to allow the gene-therapied cattle to enter the food supply through their products. Plus the Liberty Daily benefits when you purchase from them through this link and the links below. There is a link. There's a little bit of commercial in here, but, you know, the information is valid. He says here, quoting, I love this. I will shut down the company before we allow a single bag of mRNA-injected meat. That's why we're growing as quickly as possible 
so we can achieve the buying power to produce large amounts. We are relatively small now, but we want to have a surplus of tens of thousands of bags of beef by 2024, just a year from now. Uh, the pushes for both transparency and to halt the push for mRNA-jabbed beef have hit roadblocks recently in Missouri. A bill that would have forced labeling of beef that's been injected with the mRNA vaccines has stalled in committee. You know, with all the scientific data coming out about the issues with these vaccines and more and more people's unusual death ratios in countries going through the roof, more and more young, healthy, in many cases, athletes basically clutching their chest and falling over dead right there. We used to have an expression in law enforcement. It's called DRT, dead right there. That's where, you know, you come up on a, this is horrible, but I got to tell you the story now. You come up on a car crash, let's say, and there are people who have been killed. And it's very obvious. You don't need a medical examiner to tell you that the person is dead. And we used to say, that's a DRT. It's dead rot there. I know it's cold. I know it's a bit heartless, but it, it, we obviously we didn't do that publicly. But, you know, you have to deal with things the way you have to deal with things. In law enforcement, sadly, you get to see a lot of... Uh, a lot of things that I'm sure you'd really rather not have to deal with, but that's just the way it goes. I, uh, oh yeah. Uh, speaking of things you eat, how about bugs? Yeah. Um, they say eating bugs is the way of the future. Well, Penny Mordant, this is from the UK, but it applies. It's why I cover this stuff sometimes. I know it's not the U.S., but as the U.K. goes, mm, she says Andrew Brighton is starting a campaign to tell the public that the World Economic Forum stooges mm. are enc encouraging people to eat insects. She says these are outrageous conspiracy theories. The only problem for that, Penny is that it happens to be actually on the World Economic Forum's website, of which you are a member. Take, Take a listen. listen. Starting a new campaign uh, to uh, tell the public that uh, this government and its international network of uh, World Economic Forum stooges are encouraging everyone to eat insects. Um, these are outrageous conspiracy theories that the Honourable Gentleman is promoting on his social media and more frequently on the floor of this House, and I would urge him to check his behaviour. Yeah. There you go. There she is, World Economic Forum. Penny Mordant, that's the woman talking who said it's all conspiracy theories. And on the World Economic Forum's website, what can you see? Yep. You'll eat bugs. You'll own nothing and be happy. These people. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Hang on a quick second. Here we go. Never forget. Yeah, never forget. All right. It just, I don't know why I got to fix that thing. Okay, here we go. Are you ready? Uh, we're going to do one more. Uh, what do we got? Uh, a couple more, yeah. Childhood. 
We talked about vaccines and meat and how they're going to try and force this crap on you no matter what, whether you get a needle stuck in your arm or not. They're going to try and get this junk in your body. Well, this is beginning to be a big problem for the kids. Take a look at this. Links in our show notes. Read this whole article. I cannot encourage you enough. It's from abc.net.au from Australia. Vaccine misinformation. Reduced confidence in doctors causes a drop in childhood immunization rates. This is not just the clot shot. This is all childhood immunizations. And I saw a graphic image on Twitter before the show tonight that showed the nearly 100, it's almost at 100 recommended vaccines they're giving to children. Incredible. A loss of confidence in the medical profession and the mistrust of vaccines, thanks in no small part, in fact, almost exclusively to the COVID pandemic, causing childhood immunization rates to drop, according to a Gold Coast physician. I would love to see this kind of study done in the U.S., I would imagine it's probably pretty similar, if not worse. The number of children fully immunized in line with the National Immunization Program has fallen nationally since it peaked in 2020. Strangely enough, just before the pandemic, Gold Coast Public Health Physician Kate Alexander said the issue was being noticed in the medical community. What's really concerning, she says, quoting here, to us is that over the past two years, we've seen vaccination rates dropping. Look, folks, I'm not anti-vax. I'm anti this vaccine for, you know, the clot shot, the COVID thing. It's killing people, obviously. A lot of people. But there's a whole bunch of really good, safe, tested, stand-the-test-of-time vaccines. I've had most of them. Although back in my day, there weren't as many as there were today. What's really concerning is that over the past two years, we've seen vaccination rates drop, Dr. Alexander said. The trend, unfortunately, is seen across the state, the country, and internationally. Dr. Alexander said, many reasons some parents didn't immunize their children, but the effects of the coronavirus pandemic were still being felt by health authorities. Again, quoting, she said, We've seen data emerging and more research showing there may be some degree of vaccine hesitancy or fatigue in the community after COVID. Australians' confidence in the childhood vaccination program is lower now than it was before the pandemic. Now, these numbers are not huge. It's not like they went from, you know, 98% to 45%. But they are lower, and these numbers are significant. Gold Coast Primary Health Network in Australia recorded the country's second lowest rates of fully vaccinated one- and five-year-olds in 2022. 90.54% as opposed to 91.72% respectively. Now, that is not an enormous change, but it is a change, and it's not going in the direction they hoped it was going. And it all has to do 
Ask your grandparents. It all has to do with this whole mRNA COVID clot shot. Griffin University, Nigel McMillan said, people lost confidence in the medical and scientific community because of the pandemic reigniting discussions about the values of vaccines. People have been exposed to a lot of misinformation and not much debate about vaccines and why we do it. What are the benefits? And if you're not going to do it, what are the risks? And yet, how many times at the height of this whole pandemic thing did we hear, get the shot, get the shot, you're un-American, protect your family, protect the old people. Do I need to remind you? Okay, I'll remind you. You know what our biggest enemy is in America? Our fellow Americans. Frankly, we know that we can't trust the unvaccinated. Now is the time to do what you're told. <laughs> this is not about freedom or personal choice. No, screw your freedom. People who are incubators for every variant to come, walking around lawfully unvaccinated? That's psychotic. We've been patient, but our patience is wearing thin. And your refusal has cost all of us. Vaccinated person having a heart attack? Yes, come right on in. We'll take care of you. Unvaccinated guy who gobbled horse goo? Rest in peace, Wheezy. You're the unvaccinated overcrowd our hospitals. We're overrunning emergency rooms and intensive care units, leaving no room for someone with a heart attack or pancreatitis. You're a schmuck. This is a pandemic of the unvaccinated. F*** them. F*** their freedom. I want my freedom to live. There you go. You remember that? Yeah, it wasn't that long ago. And the WHO has come out with some rather interesting information. This is from BeckerNews.com. Links in our show notes if you want to read about it more. The World Health Organization, whom please, would somebody please put a bug in, in your representatives' ears and tell them that we, the U.S., need to get out of the WHO? Anyway, they have now recommended in a statement, listen to this, this is the WHO, that future COVID-19 vaccines no longer include the original SARS-CoV-2 virus, but instead a different version that closely matches circulating variants. Their technical advisory group on COVID-19 vaccine composition May 18th, yesterday, Suggested including the XBB 1.5 variant, yeah, whatever, which is responsible for most new infections worldwide. The updated vaccine would focus on a single XBB variant rather than multiple versions. Their recommendation is going to be considered by the U.S. Food and Drug Administration when its vaccine experts meet in June, a month and a half from now, and they'll be discussing the strains to include in the next COVID-19 vaccine. You know, we already don't want your crap-ass vaccines. Why are you planning on the next one? Probably because they're planning on the next pandemic, which they're getting ready to roll with. We've lost control. We've absolutely lost the plot. I want to end before we get into our book, 1984, which sadly is all too familiar as we read this book, George Orwell's 1984. Um, this happened today. 
And, well, for those of you in the U.S., it happened yesterday at the uh, hearings with one of the whistleblowers. And the last question that was asked and the answer is sad. I was going to say frightening, upsetting, but it's just sad. I usually end this part of the show with some piece of good news, a piece of happy talk. But folks, I got to tell you, this is more important than any goofy, fluffy, good news piece I could bring you. Listen very, very closely to the answer to the question this senator asks and share this clip around. This is beyond the pale. All of the hardships you've gone through. If one of your really good friends, your former colleagues, came to you and said, I have this thing that is being covered up, and I think the American people know to, know, need to know about it, what advice would you give them? I would tell them first to pray about it long and hard. And I would tell them I could take it to Congress for them, or I could put them in touch with Congress but I would advise them not to do it. So you would legitimately try to protect one of your colleagues from doing what you have done? Absolutely. And how do you think that solves being able to shine light on corruption, weaponization, any kind of misconduct that exists with the American people? It doesn't solve it. But the FBI will crush you. This government will crush you and your family if you try to expose the truth about things that they are doing that are wrong. And we are all examples of that. I can't think of a more sobering way to end a hearing. I yield back. Wow. The FBI will crush you. This government will crush you and your family, your colleagues, your friends. <laughs> We've gotten to that point, my friends. It has to stop. It has to stop. We'll, I want to say lighten the mood, but maybe <laughs> we've been reading books on this show for a very long time and we continue to do that. Although we've moved away from our type of books slightly and brilliantly, we've always done classic children's literature, The Wizard of Oz, Peter Pan, The Little Prince, Alice in Wonderland. But someone suggested and we took them up on it to begin reading very appropriate for this type of show, George Orwell's 1984. And so we started that several streams ago. We're into chapter five right now. And we're going to continue now uh, where we left off last night. And then we'll pick it back up on Monday. George Orwell's 1984. The proles are not human beings, she said carelessly. By 2050, earlier probably, all real knowledge of old speak will have disappeared. The whole literature of the past will have been destroyed. Chaucer, Shakespeare, Milton, Byron, they'll exist only in Newspeak versions. Not merely changed into something different, but actually changed into something contradictory of what they used to be. Even the literature of the party will change. Even the slogans will change. How could you have a slogan like, Freedom is slavery, when the concept of freedom has been abolished? The whole climate of thought will be different. In fact, there will be no thought as we understand it now. Orthodoxy means 
not thinking, not needing to think. Orthodoxy is unconsciousness. One of these days, thought Winston, with sudden deep conviction, Syme will be vaporized. He's too intelligent. He sees too clearly and speaks too plainly. The party does not like such people. One day, he'll disappear. It is written on his face. Winston had finished his bread and cheese. He turned a little sideways in his chair to drink his mug of coffee. And at the table on his left, the man with the strident voice was still talking remorselessly away. A young woman, who was perhaps his secretary and who was sitting with her back to Winston, was listening to him and seemed to be eagerly agreeing with everything he said. From time to time, Winston caught some remark such as, I think you're so right. I do so agree with you, uttered in a youthful and rather silly feminine voice. But the other voice never stopped for an instant. Even when the girl was speaking, Winston knew the man by sight, though he knew no more about him than what he held some important post in the, the fiction department. He was a man of about thirty, muscular throat, large, mobile mouth. His head was thrown back a little because of the angle at which he was sitting. His spectacles caught the light, presented to Winston two blank discs instead of eyes. What was slightly horrible was that from the stream of sound that poured out of his mouth, it was almost impossible to distinguish a single word. Just once, Winston caught a phrase, complete and final elimination of Goldsteinism, jerked out very rapidly, and, as it seemed, all in one piece, like a line of type cast solid. For the rest, it was just a noise, a quack, quack, quacking. And yet, though you could not actually hear what the man was saying, you couldn't be in any doubt about its general nature. He might be denouncing Goldstein, demanding sterner measures about thought criminals and saboteurs. He might be fulminating against the atrocities of the Eurasian army. He might be praising Big Brother or the heroes on the Malabar front. It made no difference. Whatever it was, you could be certain that every word of it was pure orthodoxy, pure ingsoc. As he watched, the eyeless face, with the jaw moving rapidly up and down, Winston had a curious feeling that this was not a real human being, but some kind of dummy. Wasn't the man's brain that was speaking, it was his larynx. The stuff that was coming out of him consisted of words, but it wasn't speech in the true sense. It was noise uttered in unconsciousness, like the quacking of a duck. Syme had fallen silent for a moment, with the handle of his spoon tracing patterns in the puddle of stew. The voice from the other table quacked rapidly on, easily audible in spite of the surrounding din. There's a word in newspeak, said Syme. I don't know whether you know it. Duck speak, to quack like a duck. It's one of those interesting words that have 
two contradictory meanings. Applied to an opponent, it's abuse. Applied to someone you agree with, it's praise. Unquestionably, Syme will be vaporized. Winston thought it again. He thought it with a kind of sadness, although well knowing that Syme despised him and slightly disliked him, was fully capable of denouncing him as a thought criminal if he saw any reason for doing so. There was something subtly wrong with Syme. It was something he lacked, discretion, aloofness, a sort of saving stupidity. You could not say he was unorthodox. He believed in the principles of Insoc. He venerated Big Brother. He rejoiced over victories. He hated heretics, not merely with sincerity, but with a sort of restless zeal, an up-to-dateness of information, which the ordinary party member did not approach. Yet a faint air of disreputability always clung to him. He said things that would have been better none said. He'd read too many books, frequented the Chestnut Tree Café haunt of painters and musicians. There was no law, not even an unwritten law, against frequenting the Chestnut Tree Café. And yet the place was somehow ill-omened. The old, discredited leaders of the party had been used to gather there before they were finally purged. Goldstein himself, it was said, had sometimes been seen there years, decades ago. Syme's fate wasn't difficult to foresee. And yet it was a fact that if Syme's grasp, even for three seconds, the nature of his, Winston's secret options, opinions, he would betray him instantly to the thought police. So would anybody else, for that matter. But instantly to the thought police. And so Zyme, more than most, zeal wasn't enough. Orthodoxy was unconsciousness. Syme looked up. Here comes Parsons, he said. Something in the tone of his voice seems to add that bloody fool. Parsons, Winston's fellow tenant at Victory Mansions, was in fact threading his way across a room, a tubby, middle-sized man with fair hair and a frog-like face. <coughs> at thirty-five, he was already putting on rolls of fat at his neck and his waistline. But his movements were brisk and boyish. His whole appearance was that of a little boy grown large, so much so that, although he was wearing the regulation overalls, it was almost impossible not to think of him as being dressed in the little blue shorts and gray shirt and red neckerchief of the spies. In visualizing him, one saw always a picture of dimpled knees and sleeves rolled back from pudgy forearms. Parsons did indeed invariably revert to shorts when a community hike or other physical activity gave him a good excuse for doing so. He greeted them both with a cheery, Hello, hello, and he sat down at the table, giving off an intense smell of sweat. Beads of moisture stood all over his pink face. His powers of sweating were extraordinary. 
at the community center, you could always tell when he'd been playing table tennis by the dampness of the bat handle. Syme had produced a strip of paper on which there was a long column of words and was studying it with an ink pencil between his fingers. Look at him, working away in the lunch hour, said Parsons, nudging Winston. Keenness, huh? What's that you got there, old boy? Something a bit too brainy for me, I expect. Smith, old boy, I tell you why I'm chasing you. It's that sub you forgot to give me. Uh, which sub is that? said Winston, automatically feeling for money. About a quarter of one's salary had to be earmarked for voluntary subscriptions, which were so numerous that it was difficult to keep track of them. For hate week, you know, the house-by-house -house fund. I'm treasurer for our block. We're making an all-out effort. Going to put on a tremendous show. I tell you, it won't be my fault if old Victoria Mansion doesn't have the biggest outfit of flags on the whole street. Two dollars, you promised me. Winston found and handed over two creased, filthy notes, which Parsons entered into a small notebook in the neat handwriting of the illiterate. By the way, old boy, he said, I hear that little beggar of mine let fly at you with his catapult yesterday. I gave him a good dressing down for it. In fact, I told him I'd take the catapult away if he ever does it again. Uh, I think he was a little upset at not going to the execution, said Winston. Ah, well, what I mean to say shows the right spirit, doesn't it? Mischievous little beggars they are, both of them. But talk about keenness. All they think about is spies, and the war, of course. You know what that little girl of mine did last Saturday when her troop was on a hike out Berkhampstead Way? She got two girls to go with her, slipped off from the hike, and spent the whole afternoon following around a strange man. They kept on his tail for two hours right through the woods, and then when they got into Am Amersham, handed him over to the patrols. What did they do that for? said Winston, somewhat taken aback. Parsons went on triumphantly. My kid made sure he was some kind of enemy agent. What might have been dropped by parachute, for instance. But here's the point, old boy. What do you think put her onto him in the first place? She spotted he was wearing a funny kind of shoes, and she'd never seen anyone wearing shoes like that before. So the chances were he was a foreigner. Pretty smart for a nipper of seven, huh? Uh, what happened to the man? said Winston. Ah, that I couldn't say, of course. Uh, but I wouldn't be altogether surprised if Parsons made the motion of aiming a rifle and clicked his tongue for the explosion. Good, said Syme abstractedly, without looking up from his strip of paper. Of course, we can't afford to take chances, agreed Winston dutifully. What I mean to say is, there's a war going on, said Parsons. As though in confirmation of this, a trumpet call floated from the telescreen just above their heads. However, it wasn't the proclamation of a military victory this time. Merely an announcement from the Ministry of Plenty. 
"'Comrades!' cried an eager, youthful voice. "'Attention, comrades! We have glorious news for you. "'We have won the battle for production. "'Returns now completed of the output of all classes of consumption goods "'show that the standard of living has risen by no less than 20% over the last year. "'All over Oceana this morning there were irrepressible spontaneous demonstrations "'when workers marched out of their factories and offices "'and paraded through the streets with banners voicing their gratitude "'to Big Brother for the new happy life,' which his wise leadership has bestowed upon us. Here are some of the completed figures. Foodstuffs. The phrase, our new happy life, recurred several times. It had been a favorite of the late with the Ministry of Plenty. Parsons, his attention caught by the trumpet call, sat listening with a sort of gaping solemnity, a sort of edified boredom. He couldn't follow the figures, but he was aware they were in some way a cause for satisfaction. He'd, he'd lugged out a huge, filthy pipe, which is already half full of charred tobacco. With the tobacco ration at a hundred grams a week, it was seldom possible to fill a pipe to the top. Winston was smoking a victory cigarette, which had to be held carefully horizontal. The new ration didn't start till tomorrow, and he had only four cigarettes left. For the moment, he shut his ears to the remoter noises and was listening to the stuff that streamed out of the telescreen. It appeared there had been several demonstrations to thank Big Brother for raising the chocolate ration to 20 grams a week. And only yesterday, he reflected, it had been announced that the ration was going to be reduced to 20 grams a week. Was it possible they could swallow that after only 24 hours? Yes, they swallowed it. Parsons swallowed it easily with the stupidity of an animal. The eyeless creature at the other table swallowed it fanatically, passionately, with a furious desire to track down, denounce, and vaporize anyone who su could suggest that last week the ration had been 30 grams. Syme, too, in some more complex way, involving double-think. Syme swallowed it. Was he then alone in the possession of a memory? The fabulous statistics continued to pour out of the telescreen. As compared with last year, there was more food, more clothes, more houses, more furniture, more cooking pots, more fuel, more ships, more helicopters, more books, more babies, more of everything except disease, crime, and insanity. And that's where we'll leave it for tonight. We'll pick it back up on Monday's show. All right, folks. Hey, thanks so much for popping by. We really appreciate it. Please check out our sponsors. It's all down in our show notes tonight. All the things, you get some great deals there, by the way. Also, J. Sheldon merchandise and our special AI art. Also, the follow button, which is right here. Just give that a click. It's free, costs you nothing, just takes a second, and it really helps the show out. 
a tremendous amount. Check out our podcast too. It's the audio part of this show, just the audio. You can find it. Take us with you on our podcast on Apple, Spotify, all the major platforms. Be sure and like, follow, and subscribe over there. All right. Enjoy your weekend. Have a great one. And I will see you back here on Monday. Good night. Snort. <laughs>